Oh, hi guys. Got your get your fans out. It's one of them Sundays. <laughs> it's good. Oh, okay. It's already there. Nice. All right. Um Like everybody here knows, right? We're, we're right in between heaven and hell, right? Like I, we've heard that before, right? We recognize this reality, right? That uh, we're in this period of time, this season, uh, this age, this era, right? Where heaven is not yet a reality, right? We, it's there. We can sometimes see glimpses of it, but it's not fully ours. And at the same time, we see on the other side that, that, that hell <laughs> seems to be right there battling with us and continuing to fight against us. And, and pain and, and joy, they seem to kind of coexist at the same time. We're in between heaven and hell. I think, uh, you know, when I, when I started to look at this chapter 5 of Acts, I, I was struck by the, the tension that's in this passage. Uh, it's, it's a bit shocking in some sense. Uh, you know, sometimes we can read scripture. I don't know if like if you read through it in a year, like sometimes it just like you just kind of plow through it and you, you don't sometimes get the nuances or you don't, you know, recognize some of the kind of the weird, you know, things that come together all in one little section. And in this section, we've got this crazy tension. We have this awesome uh, experience that the apostles are have with the Holy Spirit and supernatural healings and, and amazing stuff that we'll read about in a second. And then right next to that, right after that, is this tremendous persecution where they're all thrown into jail and then they get out of jail, which is awesome, but then they're taken back and then they get beaten. And, and all, this is like all of this going on at the same time. And uh, we can sometimes kind of just gloss over it, but I see in this the tension. And it's a tension that we, I think, still live in today. This is continuing. There's amazing, supernatural, awesome things that are going on, and God is moving and He's having His way. He's igniting our hearts, He's bringing healings, He's doing these things that we go, I can't believe that even happened. But at the same time, there's persecution. At the same time, uh, there's evil. At the same time, there's all of these tensions and things that are happening that, 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 are, that are negative and hard and, and, and difficult to deal with. I even think about just even yesterday, like one of the great saints, right? We celebrated her life, Rebecca Moravec, right? I mean, she, she went home too, too soon, right? It seems like, oh, well, there's so much more that we could have gained from her. So much more that would have been, it would have been awesome to have her with us. But death <laughs> and life, they coexisting right next to each other, and it creates this tension. So let's start by, uh, oh, and you'll notice in your bulletins, we've got this interesting thing. We've got two points today. So on one side, we've got healing. And then on the other side, we've got persecution. Romans 5, verse 12 to 16. Now many signs and wonders were regularly done among the people by the hands of the apostles. And they were all together in Solomon's portico. 
None of the rest dared join them, but the people held them in high esteem. And more than ever, believers, believers were added to the Lord. Multitudes of both men and women, so that they even carried out the sick into the streets and laid them on cots and mats, that as Peter came by, at least his shadow might fall on some of them. The people also gathered from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those afflicted with unclean spirits, and they were healed. Peter's got an awful powerful shadow. Can you imagine, like, and maybe of all times to notice this, like the, to recognize that it's not even Peter, right? We can sometimes we elevate these apostles and think, oh my gosh, they're just so holy and they're so amazing. They're so righteous. So they're so good, right? They're so, they're so close to Jesus. That's why they're able to, to do all of these healings. That's why they're, you know, God is able to work through them. And, and I just, no, 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 wait a second. This is just a shadow, a shadow is not holy. A shadow is not great. A shadow is not good. It's just a shadow. But God can use it and did use it to bring about healing. Amazing. Awesome. Powerful. Amazing miracles that even Jesus didn't do. <laughs> Amazing miracles that I think continue to this day. Matter of fact, as, as we've been talking about for some time now, I sense the Holy Spirit is doing, starting to do similar things that he did in the first century church. We're beginning to see the Holy Spirit poured out. We're beginning to see us uh, individuals and, and, and groups of people being empowered by the Holy Spirit. Not just to pray, not just to intercede for others, but to do mighty and powerful and beautiful things for the kingdom of God. But it's not just for healing's sake. It's not just to, to get attention. It's to bring people into the kingdom. It's to reap a harvest. Some of us, I think this is the biggest struggle we have maybe in this time is to accept the fact that the Holy Spirit can and does bring healing. That the Holy Spirit can step in in this time. Some of us want to just kind of uh, push all the healings and all the supernatural stuff to the apostles in the first century and say, then it was just kind of done and it's not happened again. But we need to open up our hearts. We need to open our minds and recognize that healing is all around us. That he is at work and he is bringing healing in his time and his way. Matter of fact, just in a practical way, we have gotten, I think, so used to as Americans in our medical system of our first, re first resource when we're sick is the medical system, right? We go to a doctor, we go to the hospital. I'm not saying we shouldn't do that, but what I'm saying is that our first source? So many times for us in America with these amazing scientists and, and doctors and medical staff that we have and the advancements that we have, we allow Jesus to become the last resort instead of the first resource when it comes to healing. We've stopped believing that he is the source of healing. And we've got to remember that he is always the source of healing, whether it comes through the process, through the medical field, through uh, advancements in science, or whether it comes in a moment, all healing comes from Jesus. But we also need to understand that healing is not based on the holiness of those who are praying for that healing. 
Healing is also not based on the faith of the sick. Healing is based in God's will. He is the one who determines who will be healed and who will not. You see, this, uh, this, uh, this, this false belief about healing has arisen in many uh, places around the world. You'll hear this even, of course, in America, even here in Reading. You'll hear this, this idea that God wants everyone to be healed. And because God wants everyone to be healed, all you've got to do is pray for it. All you've got to do is ask for it and you will receive healing. While it is true that God wants all to be healed, it is not true that God wants all to be healed today. And we have to recognize this reality. We have to allow Jesus, his will to be done, and not for us to think that we can somehow demand that he can bring healing whenever we want it and whenever we ask. Even Jesus, on the, uh, the night before the cross in the Garden of Gethsemane in Luke chapter 22, cries out to Jesus and says, says, cries out to his father and says, God, will you please remove this cup from me? I see what's coming. This is going to be a challenge. This is going to be hard. I don't want to go into it. Is there some other way? But then he says at the end, not my will, but your will be done. When it comes to praying for healing, we need to pray with that same commitment to God's will being done and not ours. We often think that we know, but God's ways are higher than our ways, Isaiah 55 says. His thoughts are so far beyond our thoughts. How arrogant are we? It's unfortunate that I, I hear sometimes people praying for healing, and they use God's scripture as if to, uh, uh, to, to, to hold him account to his scripture. They, they throw scripture at him and says, well, God, you promised healing, and so you've got to bring it right now. As if to manipulate God or to somehow hold God's word over him. He is God. He is over his word. And he has spoken his word, and his word is always true. But our perception of that truth may not be always right. We also need to recognize that healing is not a formula. It's not faith plus prayer plus scripture plus a little bit of oil equals healing. We can sometimes think that we've got to jump through the right hoops. If we do the right things in the right moment at the right time, then, oh, it, it worked, right? Right? And then we start, to, uh, uh, we start to sell this to the world. Oh, look, if you just do this, this, and this, oh, then you're going to get healed. That's all you got to do. Come on. And, and, and many people, unfortunately, because of the faith aspect of this, have been disappointed greatly with God because they've not received healing. And the only thing that they can see is why that happened is because they didn't have enough faith. The reality is, the only faith that you need is the faith enough to ask Jesus for healing. If you've asked Jesus for healing, that's enough faith. Also, we need to recognize that healing is not guaranteed. Again, many will be healed. But all of us are going to die. So that means all of us at some point are not going to be healed this side of heaven. The ultimate healing is to come. Amen. So we need to be careful with healing. We have to be careful about chasing healing. Instead, we need to make sure that we're chasing Jesus. That we're seeking Jesus. 
seeking his goodness, seeking his will to be done. We have to embrace the tension, the tension that healing is now, but also there's a great healing at death, that God's word is true. And sometimes the truth of that word is fully realized today. Other times that truth is not realized fully until tomorrow, till the end, till we enter into, those, into the kingdom of God. So we ask for healing. And we receive healing or grace. Remember Paul's words in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, where he had prayed and asked God to, 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 to heal him, to, 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 to deliver him of this, you know, attacks that he was experiencing. Three times he prayed, and what does Jesus say to him? My grace is sufficient for you. So when we pray for healing, we are always ready to receive either healing or his grace. We also need to, with healing, we need to embrace the mystery. God is mysterious, I think part of the problem or part of the, the, the motivation for creating uh, uh, this, this, this theology that every time I pray, God is always going to heal, and uh, the other side of it, every t- that, that healing is no longer for day, we can only hope for healing in eternity. Both of those extreme perspectives about healing come from an idea that we've got to somehow defend God's character because it's not fair that he doesn't heal every time. Jesus does not need you to defend his character. Can we allow him to be mysterious? Can we allow his thoughts to be greater than our thoughts? Can we allow his ways to be greater than our ways? And just understand that we have to hang on to this tension. That yes, Jesus promises this amazing and awesome healing. And if we ask, we will receive. But at the same time, we all will someday die. Healing will not come at some point. And he is still Lord. He's still God. He is still good. I felt like the Lord led me to uh, write uh, some paragraphs here that I'm now going to read to you in regards to healing. I, but I want to preface it with this. I, I, I just... May whatever in this is from the Lord, may you hear it, receive it, embrace it, and may you always remember it. Whatever is in this that is just me, may the Holy Spirit allow you to forget it. (laughs) May you never remember it again. May it just be washed away in the midst of this. It seems to me for the believer, healing can often be a distraction. Certainly, for the unbeliever, seeking healing is justified. Their soul is in jeopardy, and without healing, their time is quickly running out. Furthermore, when the spirit of darkness is flaunting its powerful deceptions, it's often, it often takes an even more powerful move to set the lost soul free. But for Christians, whose souls already secure in the eternal arms of their Savior, and who've already come to know the powerful union with Jesus, what's the benefit? Sure, I get there can be a benefit of remaining in this world and staving off death for another year, two, decade or more, but is it worth it? 
Heaven is a wonderful place. It really is. To not want to leave one one, loved ones or to leave tasks uncompleted is a legitimate concern, but God is good, and he already knows the number of our days and the task we will and will not complete. Understand, I'm not saying that seeking Jesus for healing is wrong. It is definitely right because he tells us to do it. Indeed, our sickness can be an appropriate motivation for us to continue coming to Jesus. But when our desire for healing becomes our dominant concern and disrupts our contentment and all he's already done for us, it becomes problematic. It is if our faith, hope, and love become dependent on healing, we are distracted. If our continued sickness causes us to doubt God's goodness, love, or power, we are not seeing clearly. If we spend our waking hours constantly striving to be healed, bouncing from one faith healer to the next and from one remedy to the next, we have lost sight of Jesus. Jesus doesn't need us to be healthy, to bless us, to lead us, or to use us. He doesn't need us to continue living in order to accomplish all that he has for us. He doesn't need us to be a witness of his healing power. He just needs us to see his face and trust him. His plan is always best and is always good, whether or not we can see it. Christians in Western culture need to stop being so concerned with how good or bad their life is. We fret way too much over pain, sorrow, trials of life. We are too sensitive to pain, and our faith is too quickly shaken by a couple of bad days. We must rid ourselves of the notion that we are living right. Everything in our life, if we are living right, we need to rid ourselves of the notion that if we are living right, everything in our life will be perfect. We must reject the Old Testament legalistic system that says, if you are obedient, you will live long and prosper. We must accept that in this world, we will have trouble. We must embrace the grace of God because it is indeed sufficient. We must learn to be content with plenty and in want. We must give thanks in all circumstances and cast all our cares on him. We must pray without ceasing, and we must be anxious for nothing. We must seek first his kingdom. Healing may indeed come. Indeed, we've already experienced healing dozens of times in our life. And by his grace, he may allow us to be restored to health once again. But but above all else, we must seek the face of Jesus, not what he can do for us. He has already done enough. We must trust that if his will is for us to be healed, he will lead us into it. We don't have to frantically search for it. For Christians, healing is not a matter of faith. The moment our will comes in alignment with his will, we are healed. Healed of our physical ailment or healed of our obsession with healing. We must come to accept that like his son, God's will may be for us to suffer and die. One of the great freedoms we who are in Christ enjoy is that our hope is not in this world, 
but in the one to come. So whether this life is one of ease or great struggle, it's only for a season. But even in the struggle, he gives us the great promise that he is near the brokenhearted. He tends the wounds of those who are sick. He comforts those who mourn. And he gives us confidence that nothing can separate us from his love. Because in all these things, we are more than conquerors in Christ Jesus. Amen. Flip the page. But the high priest rose up and all who were with him, that is, the party of the Sadducees, and filled with jealousy, they arrested the apostles and put them in the public prison. But during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go and stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. And when they heard this, they entered the temple at daybreak and began to teach. Now when the high priest came, those who were with him, they called together the council, all the sin of the people of Israel, and sent to the prison to have them brought. When the officers came, they did not find them in the prison. So they returned and reported, we found the prison securely locked and guards standing at the doors, but when we opened them, we found no one inside. Now when the captain of the temple and the chief priests heard these words, they were greatly perplexed about them, wondering what this would come to. And someone came and told them, look, the men whom you put in prison are standing in the temple teaching the people. Then the captain and the officers went and brought them, brought them, but not by force, for they were afraid of being stoned by the people. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest questioned them, saying, We strictly charged you not to teach in this name. Yet here you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching, and you intend to bring this man's blood against us. But Peter and the apostles answered, We must obey God rather than men. The God of our fathers raised Jesus, whom you killed by hanging him on a tree. God exalted him at his right hand as leader and savior to give repentance to Israel and forgiveness of sins. And we are witnesses to these things. And so is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. When they heard this, they were enraged and wanted to kill them. But a Pharisee in the council named Gamaliel a teacher of the law held in honor by all the people stood up and gave, them, gave orders to put the men outside for a little while. And he said to them, men of Israel, take care for what you are about to do with these men. For before these days, Thaddeus rose up claiming to be somebody and a number of men, about 400, joined him. He was killed and all who followed him were dispersed and it came to nothing. After him, Judas, the Galilean, he rose up in the days of the census and drew away some of the people after him. He too perished, and all who followed him were scattered. So in the present case, I tell you, keep away from these men and let them alone. For if this plan or this undertaking is of man, it will fail. But if it is of God, you will not be able to overthrow them. You might even be found opposing God. So they took his advice, and when they had called in the apostles, they beat them and charged them not to speak in the name of Jesus, and then let them go. Then they left the presence of the council, rejoicing that they were counted worthy to, su to suffer dishonor for the name. And every day in the temple, and from the house to house, they did not cease teaching and preaching that Christ is Jesus. Amen. We see in our world today, just as in the, the time of the apostles, that with good rises evil. 
It seems this reality that when good things begin to happen, right behind them is evil things that come and try to steal the joy, try to take away the ground that has been gained. Good and evil seem to always rise together. Even in, in Romans chapter 5, Paul talking about sin and lawlessness and how when sin abounds, grace abounds all the more. So we have this reality in our world that uh, Laura was even talking about it earlier. This idea that, you know, there's so many great things that are going on right now. We're seeing the move of the Holy Spirit in our, in, internally, but corporately as well. But at the same time, there's all of these little things that are happening, big things that are happening. The world around us in chaos. There's divisions. There's tensions. There's pain. There's sickness. There's suffering all around us. But at the same time, again, the Holy Spirit is moving. These things tend to happen. It's just a reality, I think, of the way things are. And when the hard times come, when the suffering comes, the reality is that some of us as Christians seek to avoid the pain. We seek comfort instead of discomfort. We want to experience all the blessings. This is part of what the Pharisees were upset about. The apostles and Jesus, they were messing up their comfort zone. They're messing up their perspective. Their perspective that told them, you know, the most holy people are the ones who are most blessed. And so we, when we start to experience suffering, when, when pain begins to happen, when persecution comes, oftentimes we immediately go, oh wait, I must be doing something wrong. Because I'm not getting blessed. I'm sorry, but that is an Old Testament view of, of suffering. The New Testament view, the example of Jesus Christ, is that sometimes suffering is the greatest blessing of all. And that we need to recognize this reality and not avoid the pain. When the struggle comes, when the tensions happen, when the little things that start to, to happen that just kind of throw your day off, that begin to kind of pester you, don't, don't, don't freak out. Don't allow it to mess with your faith. Don't go, oh my gosh, I need to, I need to go back and just get in my living room and, and, and comfort myself again because, oh my gosh, the world is a dangerous place. The world is a dangerous place. And pain is certainly a reality. But God is calling us into it. He will empower us in the moment. He will give us what we need to combat the pain and the suffering and the struggle and the tension and the battle that comes. Some of us seek, in times of struggle, to, we seek to destroy. I've heard many Christians over the last, well, since, really since uh, you know, I was a kid, Christians who uh, talk about the end times. And in talking about the end times and the great battle that's to come, they talk as if our job as the church is going to be similar to the job of the Israelites when they entered the promised land. We, we talk like that, that we're, our job is to come in to bring destruction, to wipe out everyone who doesn't love Jesus, to, to clear out the land. And so we come to this time of pain and struggle and tension where we see the worlds are beginning to battle and the rumors of wars are happening and we begin to gird ourselves up thinking that we are ready to bring justified judgment to the world. We're like zealots who are ready to kill the infidel. But that is not the calling of the New Testament. Matthew 5, 43 to 45 says that we are to pr pray 
for our enemies, that we are to pray for those who persecute us, that we are to seek out and to care for people, that we're to turn the other cheek. These things in the Sermon on the Mount disrupted the, the perspective that God was about destroying evil people in the world. There's another aspect, or there's another group of us that in times of tension and struggle and trial, in the time of the battle, we seek to isolate ourselves from the world. We seek protection from the world. We've got our bunkers that we're creating. We've got our property that we've purchased, that we're out in the, in the, in the, in the, away from community, away from the world, away from the people. We're building our arsenal to protect those who are closest to us. Like monks, we're escaping, escaping the temptations, escaping the evils of the world so that we're okay, so that we can survive, so that we can make it through. But again, this is not God's will for us. He calls us to the battle. He calls us to engage in the fight. When it comes to persecution, when it comes to suffering and trial, we need to recognize that we need to embrace the tension. Embrace the tension that is all around us. Stop trying to escape the tension. Can I say maybe that we need to, we're not going back to normal. The post-COVID or pre-COVID world is not coming back. The tension is here to stay. Church, we need to let go of this hope that someday things will get back to normal. It's not. As the, with the rise of the Holy Spirit and his move, there's a rise of evil. And that battle is going to, going to continue to intensify. And if we are not going to be able to handle some of the blows that come from the evil one, we're all going to be cowering in our homes. We need to let go of the future that we had presumed we were going to get. And we need to embrace the future that is that is here right now, today, in this moment. We need to embrace suffering. Jesus suffered, and his followers will suffer. He clearly tells us that in John 15, 20. Let us not forget, this is a reality. If we're going to follow Jesus, and they persecuted Jesus, they're also going to persecute us. Accept it, and be thankful for the battle. At the end of this section, the Lord also gave me another word. So I got a few paragraphs to close this message with. Actually, the worship team can go ahead and come forward while I read it. Church, the season of ease is over. The harvest is ripe. The battle for souls has begun. Put on the full armor of God. The gates of hell are under attack and evil is rising to defend its borders. Are you in the fight? Or has persecution knocked you out? Has sickness distracted you? Has building up your defenses and your supplies got you preoccupied? Has your obsession with comfort and ease kept you oblivious to the battle. Rise up, church. Get off your couches, put on your armor, and join the fight. 
Give up your defensive positions. We are on offense now. Those who are sick, open your eyes to the new ground that our Savior has laid at your feet. Counter the blows of persecution with prayers of honor and blessing for your persecutor. As we rise up into the battle for this generation, remember what we're fighting for and what we're fighting against. This is not a time for God's wrath to be poured out. We are not being summoned to bring judgment upon the pagan world. No, we are fighting for the souls who've been deceived by the great serpent. The people of this world are not our enemies, even when they are used by the evil one to attack and harm us. We must aim our sights at the demonic soldiers who are filling them with fear. Our battle is against the spiritual forces of evil, not the manipulated and abused prisoners that are controlling. They are controlling. Our enemy is conniving. He's cruel. He's powerful. But we are not in this war alone. While the struggles, losses, and pain we experience are going to continue to increase, so will the healing, the provision and the grace of God. We will see outpourings of his power in ways that we've not seen before. There will be supernatural healings like done through Peter and his shadow. There will be resurrections like done through Paul when he preached an especially long sermon. (laughs) Demons will be cast out by the hundreds. Unity will come to his church in a rush, in a moment. Forgiveness will wash through entire communities. Many will be gifted to speak in earthly languages they never learned. Young people will be given prophetic words and will lead the church in love, in faith, and in purity. While we'll have very little worldly comforts, we will not lack any good thing. As we seek his kingdom, we will receive from our Heavenly Father all we need Remember, our victory is sure. We need only to remain with Jesus. Now, church, we need to let go of the American dream. And we need to take up Jesus' dream. Let us love one another and be united together with Christ. Let us be a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. Let us rejoice in suffering and receive the endurance, the character, and the hope that results. Let us consider it pure joy when we suffer trials of all kinds. Let us be patient with others, not wanting any to perish. Let us be prepared to share the reason for our hope with any who should ask. Let us accept the call to make disciples of all nations. Let us receive power as the Spirit fills us so that we will be witnesses of Jesus in our family, our city, our state, our country, and our world. Church, we are called between heaven and hell. It is in this time we must suffer much. And it is in this season that evil is on the rise and inflicting much pain and sorrow. But Satan's destructive power does not reign because the all-powerful Savior of the world is here. 
While the battle is not over, our victory is sure. And we continue to fight for every soul, joining Jesus in his pursuit of all who he has called. We trust our Lord to provide all we need in sickness and in health. We believe he will empower us to receive our eternal reward. We are not shaken, but continue to stand against the evil one, praising God that we are considered worthy to suffer dishonor on behalf of the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Heavenly Father, we uh, thank you for your goodness, Lord, that you are with us. Lord, this is, this is the rise of a time of battle. It's a time, I don't know if it's the last battle, <laughs> but it's a battle for this age, for this generation. And so, Lord, you are obviously moving, and your movement is uh, a rise against the gates of hell. Lord, help us to join you in that fight. Lord, help us to see where you, where you have us, where the place that you want us to be in the midst of this fight. Where, what's the ground that you want us to take? What are the souls that you want us to reach out to and to share the love of Jesus with, to love on, to be patient with, and to wait until they come to know you and to continue to pursue them and be ready to have an answer for them of the hope that we have enjoyed. Lord, help us to see where we're at in this battle. And Lord, get us off of our couches. Lord, get us out of our apathy. Get us out of our, our laziness. Get us, get us out of our, the defensive posture that we have. And Lord, get us on the offensive with you, joining with you in all that you're doing in the great harvest that you're about to reap. To do it with you and together with your body. Hebrews chapter 10. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. And recall the former days, when after you were enlightened, you endured a hard struggle with suffering sometimes being publicly exposed to reproach and affliction, and sometimes just being partners with those so treated. For you had compassion on those in prison, and you joyfully accepted the plundering of your property since you knew that you yourselves had a better possession and an abiding one. Therefore, do not throw away your confidence, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance." so that when you have done the will of God, you may receive what is promised. For yet a little while, and the coming one will come and will not delay. But my righteous one shall live by faith, and he shrinks back. My soul has no pleasure in him. But we are not those who shrink back and are destroyed. But we are those who have faith 
and preserve their souls. In Jesus' name, amen, and God bless. Thank you for being here. If you would like prayer, we're going to maybe do the prayer up in the shady parts over there. And so you can come for prayer and uh, see our prayer team just uh, outside the exit there of the amphitheater. We also have some snacks. I heard that they got moved inside. Maybe the heat had something to do with it. I don't know. But uh, if you'd like snacks, we'd love to share with that, with that with you as well. God bless, church. Have a great week.